the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into uh, our third hour uh, this Monday, March 27th. Tough, uh, tough day, uh, but we are uh, always delighted to be able to do it with Brandon Weikert. He is the author of several books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked. China's Race to Control Life. He is a regular columnist over at 1945.com. Brandon, do you uh, do mo- uh, the bulk of your writing there now, or should we also mention Asia Times and others? Or are, are those? Uh, are- yeah, um, I am a senior editor, actually. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, 1945. Uh, they, they, uh, they were actually crazy enough to put me on their masthead, and I'm very honored by the, uh, you know, by them willing to do that. Um, I'm now on the masthead. So, um, you know, I guess that would be the bulk, but I still write for Asia Times, okay. the Washington Times, and occasionally Great. American Greatness. Great. But yeah, it, 1945 is my, my new home. All right. Well, to d- 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 take it easy there, because this is your winter home over here. You're on my masthead, too, there, Brandon. Don't, don't, don't. That's right. I'm the, a snowbird. Yeah, you're you're a 2023 in Phoenix and 1945 in Florida, I suppose. Ah, that's right. Yes, yeah, it's a good combo. I guess. Yeah, I, I hope so. Arizona, Florida. Yeah. Um, listen, there's a lot going on. I want to talk to you. Uh, let's let's start with a few culture things. This Wall Street Journal poll this morning I spoke of earlier, and then of course there's this awful school shooting in Nashville today. That I guess we haven't had a school shooting uh, maybe since Uvalde, um, but um, a few things were immediately um, odd about it. First of all, you always get the wrong reports early on. They said it was a very young person who was engaged in the shooting. Turns out, twenty-eight, still young um, by mm-hmm. by a lot of standards, but. Then we learned that this was a female shooter. Now, that was odd because you don't see a lot of female uh, shooters in mass shooting incidents. Really, I think only a handful since they've ever been tracked. And now we're learning this is a person who uses uh, pronouns different than what she was born with. So there's going to, and of course, being a church in the South, there's going to be a lot around and on this. I I hope it doesn't bring on crazy town. I mean, obviously, we already heard from the White House about the need to... uh, to to ban assault weapons, so that's that's going to be a constant uh, factor in all these discussions. But but I don't know, man. These brains, they you know, it, uh, to be an active sh- to be a shooter in a mass shooting situation, it takes a special kind of, uh, particularly a school and young children. It takes a special kind of uh, mental illness that I don't think one or even three factors can can explain. I don't know where you are on all this. So we can talk mental illness till we're blue in the face, right. but I think I think it was, and I might be wrong. This might be apocryphal, but I'm pretty sure when watching the 2005 London tube bombings yeah. on TV, yeah. Margaret Thatcher in retirement remarked to her aide that uh, we have always had to live with evil in the world, right. but never side by side. Right. Um, right. And I I think. I think that we can talk about mental health problems, and there's no doubt that that's obviously at play here. 
but this is evil. Yep. And um, you're wantonly targeting the most innocent, yeah. the most uh, you know helpless among us, yeah. uh, the children. Uh, that indicates to me an evil there. Now, segueing into mental health, I think this now opens up a whole other can of worms, which is the individual was. I believe they're saying transgendered or yeah, at least using pronouns differently in public than and on social media that, yeah, at least something like that. Yeah. Right. um, Although my bailiwick is usually national security. Mm -hmm. I also, as you know, write a lot on domestic, especially today and culture matters. Culture counts. And our culture is being eroded from within by a handful of very elite billionaires who have a view of gender, as being fluid, right. and they're funding research at these major universities for over a decade now that is now translating to the wider public and is creating confusion, and now, as we're seeing, such as today, bloody chaos yeah. among our young people, in which people now, the most basic identity, which is you know male or female, uh, which is not anything bad or good, it just is what it is, um, there's male and there's female, um, now those identities are being utterly decimated and destroyed by this very pernicious ideology. Um, this is not good for our country. This is not good for our domestic politics. This is not good for our society. And again, it's not good for our children, either for the person committing the crime, which likely had some deep, deep psychological trauma going on there, or the young people, obviously, who were victims of yep, this crime. right. And I think we need to be asking this, you know, this is a very slippery slope. The Democrats want to have a conversation about psychology and psychiatry and and that, um, like they had the Ted Lasso cast last week when China's Xi and Russia's Putin are carving up the world together. There's Biden meeting with the cast of Ted Lasso for their big mental health initiative. Well, be careful, because for the last 10 years, the, the Democrats have been saying we care about mental health. But you know what? That doesn't play into mass shootings and that doesn't play into gender ideology. It doesn't Those play into totally any. That's totally right, right. Brandon. That's right. totally right. It doesn't play in the mass shootings. It doesn't play in gender ideology. And it also doesn't play with drug abuse. Um, they they right. want to turn a blind eye to all of these things, yeah. which, by the way, I don't know enough about the Nashville story yet is involved in most of these mass shootings, by the way. Drug abuse, some people like to call substance use, which I think is a, is yeah. a, is, is a well, pseudonym, I mean, is, you know, a, a, trying to dress it up nicely. It's drug abuse. Yes, yes. and I think Euphemism. it's important to note, yeah. I think it's important to note that these three issues, and you can tether it to sexual deviancy, yeah. deviancy as formed by pornography and things like that. I'm not saying that was involved here. I'm just saying it from a societal standpoint. Right. And you can tether that to what's going on with the TikTok right. issue and yep. social media. Yep. And I know that you've shared my article in Law and Liberty about banning certain social yep. media because I went through and I talked to medical experts and I, I did research for that piece. And I was part of a symposium in which I was the only person on the panel saying we got to ban this stuff because not only is it a national security threat, but it's actually toxic for the psyche of young people yep. and that it changes neuronal pathways. Yep. And you throw all of these things together, Seth. And you now have a toxic brew that is stunting, stymieing, and now God help us killing the next generation. They don't have this problem in China. I agree with you 100%. We didn't have this problem before. We are confusing the hell out of our children. We are confusing the hell out of things that used to be fairly understood as, if not black and white, 
at least we knew where the gray areas were. We've obliterated all of them. When Facebook gives you 58 gender options, you know you're in a world of chaos. And that's what we have built here, a world of chaos. Um, this this is yeah. expressed in a lot of different ways. Obviously, not everyone uh, acts out on it, and we don't know all the factors at play in this case. But Absolutely. we do know something different is going on, and we do know something different has been going on since about 2005, 2006. We know we exacerbated it circa 2020 <laughs> to 2023 yesterday, and we are now seeing you know, all kinds of things we used to rely upon, what I call forces of composition, falling apart. You saw some of this in the Wall Street Journal poll today, yeah, whether it had to do with religion up. or children or yeah. patriotism. I'm looking right at yeah, it. Yeah, these are not good directions. These are not good cultural no. indicators. And, and I just want to say the one thing that was up, so you've got patriotism down from 70% right. in 1998 to right. 38%, religion 62 to right. 39 today, right. 59 to 30 for having children, yeah. community involvement is 62 to 27. But the one thing that's up, from 31 to 43 is a very important value is money. That's right. So that's Mammon. that's the one that really bothers because what does it say about a society that takes values as important um, only when money is 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 not the concern? So we have all all this all this interest in money. But no interest in Nobody how we comport any. ourselves or how we build families or how we even make the money, right? Right. Well, and that's the thing. And this gets back to what my old mentor, Dr. John Lynchowski, over at uh, yeah. the Institute of World Politics used to say. He used to say, Brandon, he used to say, the, the, the Reds and the Liberals throughout the 20th century were good at one thing, deracinating yeah. us yeah. from our culture exactly. and atomizing us. Yep. He used to yell this to the class. He would say, they're atomizing us yep. so that we will be easily controlled and we will stop being human. It is an anti-human ideology that we are up against, and they are winning. They are winning. And it is disgusting because I see this, as you know, I also educate. I teach, uh, you know, I teach young college students. Yep. I teach young seniors in some cases uh, who are coming into college. And I will tell you right now, Seth, these kids are lost and they're desperate and they're sad. And these are some of the smart ones. I'm not even talking about the really bad ones. And it's all the same. They don't. They they value money above all else. Yep. They care about the material, but they don't care about the community. They don't even really care about themselves beyond the material. And that is not a wet winning recipe. No. Let me come back on that with you when we come back from break. Brandon Weikert is my guest. Brandon J. Weikert. You can follow him on Twitter at We the Brandon. He and I'll be right back. Brandon Weichert is our guest, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, author, columnist, uh, prominently uh, at 1945.com. You can follow him on Twitter at We the Brandon. We have him here most Mondays. Brandon, that that's interesting what Dr. Lanchowski said about deracinating um, people from their from their country and from their society. It means you know to uproot, and 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 when you think about how long it takes to build a society. This has been on my mind a whole bunch lately. We're on the cusp of celebrating 250 years of being America. And you think about uh, something Harry Jaffa once said. In 1776, we were nothing promising to become everything. Today, having, so to speak, become everything, it almost looks as if we're going to become nothing once again. 
Think that about the yeah. Just think about the last few years and what our children have been put through. Um, the two two of the most civic and civilizing institutions are school and work. Uh, school for children, work for adults. And we told children for decades, generations, that school's important. They didn't want to go. School's important. It's important you go to school. It's important you stay in school. It's important you work hard. It's important you graduate from school. And all of a sudden, at the flip of a, uh, at the snap of a finger, we said, you know what? School's not important. At the same time, we said work's not important. We shut down both because they just weren't important. Hard to flip that light switch back on so quickly, it turns out, yeah. Brandon. That was one of yeah. those switches you can't just flip back on. Those were yeah. two hugely. And let it not be unsaid that we also shut down church services and recovery meetings, 12-step meetings. Yeah, all these except things. Except alcohol. Except alcohol. We allowed alcohol to be sold. We allowed right. drugs to be sold. Um, the, one thing, um, the one thing that was kind of interesting about all of this, too, is we said social relationships weren't important either. Isolation was the order of the day. What did we expect? What did we expect from all that? Well, this, but this goes beyond. This goes well before, in my opinion, COVID. COVID just took the bad trends and exacerbated okay. them and sped them up. Okay. This goes back to, as Winchowski used to talk about in class when I was in his class as a master's student, young and, you know, wide-eyed, um, you know, he would talk about the 60s, and he would talk about, even before that, the, what the left was doing, uh, you know, to the country. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about, um, you know, basically what people like Diana West were talking about back in 2013, about American betrayal, uh, about how the left basically sold us out to cultural Marxism. I remember I got to know Michael Walsh, who was writing on these issues. He wrote The Devil's Pleasure Palace. And I think the sequel was The Avenging Angel, which really, I think, is the best kind of definitive outlook on how the left for three or four generations now has successfully, as Linchowski said, deracinated yeah. Yeah. Uh, our culture. And so this isn't just COVID. No. Um, and at the same time, it's important to note, um, we tell students school is important, but then once they're in the school, we don't hold them to a higher standard. That's correct. That's and correct. And we, we, tell, we tell students, and what I used to, what I tell my students as I say, look, I go, you know, you've got two choices, more schooling, which could lead to more debt, and maybe you can't pay it off, so be aware of that, or you can do an entrepreneurial. But in both cases, in both cases, you know, or you go to work without the education, good luck. But in the two cases I just listed, uh, more schooling or entrepreneurialism, you have got to be harder working, faster yep. than your competition. Right. You've got to be leaning forward at all times. You cannot be out partying. You cannot be out because those days are over. The, the days of getting gentlemen's fees and getting into, you know, top-notch law firms or whatever, that's the thing to the 80s. That's the thing of the 60s and 70s. Today it's a globalized, hyper-competitive world, and there's fewer and fewer jobs, and those jobs are paying less and less. Yeah. And oh, by the way, the Chinese and the French and the Germans and the Canadians and the Japanese and the Indians, they've all got a leg up. Brandon, you're absolutely right about that, except for, and not even really except, it, it, it's probably a problem, it's probably a problem that exists only in a certain generation and in a certain workspace, where I don't think our young children, I don't think the millennials, young adults I should say, I don't think the millennials are instructed on the need to work hard. And the, right. So there is an entitlement mentality that we have bestowed upon them, that showing up will get you success. 
and you're right when you look at the global competition for this or you look at sub you disaggregate the data on uh, racial and uh, ethnic immigrants yeah you you see something that's that's a little uncomfortable to talk about but we better be prepared to understand which way we're going to go this is at at least a little bit a part of what's at at, 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 at play in the lawsuit between the Asian yeah. students and Harvard University and the Asian students of the University of North Carolina. This is a population that took all those messages and decided family's important, school's important, hard work's important. And son of a you-know-what, Brandon, they can't get into Harvard, and people with lower yep. scores can. This is, yep. this is not going to last long or no. end well. well. And one quick thing. I remind your audience that which I wrote in my first book, Winning Space. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the paperback version is coming out next this next month. Okay. Uh, but I wrote about how the Chinese and American young people were asked on the anniversary, 50th anniversary of Apollo moon landings. They they asked, the Gallup poll did, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yep. Uh, almost 80 percent, or yep. nine, I don't remember the exact number, but the overwhelming majority of Americans said they want to be a YouTube influencer yep. or a vlogger. Right. And the Chinese, the exact same percent of Chinese young people said they want to be an astronaut yeah. or an engineer. Yeah. That's what our kids used so to say here. They used to say that yes. here. They used to say policeman, fireman, astronaut, yes. cowboy. Yes. Everything we way, have devalued and told them is toxic. Everything we've devalued. And, yes. to- and, and toxified. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And so when we look around the world and we see China eating our lunch without firing a shot, we should understand it's because they want it more. Because they want it more, Seth. And they are going to win at this point because our young people have been programmed to be consumers mindless consumers and spenders and always looking at rap and these 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 videos and these TikToks about how to get rich quick and how to step on your enemy and devalue your neighbor and not worry about your community get what's yours and I'm telling you they have scaled this up Seth they've scaled they scaled it up it's no longer just a handful of students anymore it's the majority it's not even millennials it's the gen z now it's yeah no you're right about that that's and, the problem and it begs a huge question which is is some of this perhaps deliberate go back to what Lenchowski yeah. said right let me take a quick commercial break and pick up on that when i come back because i think there is an investment in us not succeeding i hate to say it um, and it's not everywhere, but I do believe it is in large precincts, particularly in, in higher education and in higher education with teaching programs. I think there is a neo-Marxist, if not traditional Marxist ethos that does want, in fact, to celebrate the devaluation of America. Let me pick up on that with you when I come back. Also, let me ask the audience how you think the Biden administration is handling the economy, whether we're talking about the stock market or the banks or the recession on the horizon. But if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like, where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees, a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Check out my friends at Y-Refi. They're local. You can visit with them. You won't get a sales pitch. They're honest. They're trustworthy. I know them well. It's a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at YRefi.com. That's YRefi.com or 888-YREFI-34.
Brandon Weikert is my guest. Brandon, on this American decline or decline in America, some of it I can't help but think is very much deliberate. Um, And it comes from a notion of what's going on in education, higher education, or teaching schools that have adopted neo-Marxist Paulo Ferrer-type notions of education as a subversive activity. Let me just give you three sentences from a teacher I like in the Wall Street Journal talking about a master's degree program he went through and saw replicated elsewhere. We made black. Li- this is graduate school, okay? So this isn't even undergrad. We made Black Lives Matters French matter Black Lives Matter friendships. Let me start again. We made Black Lives <laughs> Matter friendship bracelets. We passed around a popsicle stick to designate whose turn it was to talk, while professors compelled us to discuss our life's traumas. We read poems through the lenses of Marxism and critical race theory in preparations for our students doing the same. And our final projects were acrostic poems or ironic rap videos. This is deliberate, Brandon. This isn't instructing people how to teach math and reading and great literature and works of the Western culture. This is embracing everything that the 1960s neo-Marxists wanted to reinvent for America. Yeah, so let me just give you a little personal example here. We were homeschooling my daughter until about a year ago because my wife wanted to go back full-time to the medical field because of the pandemic. Um, and so we put our daughters in a fairly good charter, charter school around the corner from us. Um, and today I was you know, going through a project she's doing, and she's doing great, And I, my oldest. And I said, I said well, Charlotte, I said, um, a lot of this you were doing with your mother three years ago. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, I know, and that's why it's, I'm being straight A. Uh-huh. It's easy. I uh-huh. said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I said, that's great. You're getting straight A's, and I'm glad that you're dominating. But, um, you know, this is a problem for, you know, our society because it's going on all over the place. Of course, she didn't get what I was saying, but I sort of was talking yes. to my wife. At that yes, point. yes, but, I get it. But, you yes. know, but I, I, was, I was pretty in show. Now, this is great that my kids and all the kids are doing fine. That's wonderful. But there, are they being challenged? And why is it that that a charter school, which is supposed to be right. better, right. is nowhere near as competitive as the homeschooling right. was? Right. We, were, we weren't even doing full homeschool before. We were doing hybrid homeschooling where they went for two or three days to school, and then we were with them the rest of the day. But the point is um, that uh, th- there is a decline in our society yep. and education yep. policy. Yep. And it's purposeful, yep, Seth. That's it's the purposeful. Thing. That's the thing. We are not we're, we are not building the um, uh, you know Oppenheimers. We are right. not building the. I mean, this myth that oh, we make these great innovators. Not anymore. Yeah, we did. Past tense, right? Unless we're unless we're importing that's right. them. That's right. That's just not the case. Right. It's very rare. What we are creating are consumers and automatons who will spew whatever woke pieties. They are told to spew at their indoctrination camps that we call school. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think this is not a direct national security threat, I'm not you as in the general you, not you, you. Right. Uh, but but if you know if the people listening don't understand that, this is something that's going to come back. The Chinese love this because they look at this as a tipping point. They know that their current young generation of Zoomers and millennials are light years ahead That's right. of the American That's right. millennials and Zoomers. They know that. And all they have to do is wait to the mid-level, the midpoint of their lives, where suddenly the returns of innovation will start paying out much greater dividends for the Chinese 
than it will for the Americans. So we're talking about a lost generation, and in that lost generation, the lost superpower that is that was the United States. That's right. And what's you know doubly shaming is we build up these false excuses that have nothing to do with anything, like, for example, systemic racism. When you look at educational attainment and educational scores, we're getting our butts beat in America by immigrants from Asia and West Africa. Yep. has nothing to do with race. And by the way, those are the two groups right. that are still allowed, you're allowed in, in academia to discriminate against. Right. It isn't just right. the Asians. Right. When I was at DePaul University as an undergrad, I was taking a course in African politics. It was a graduate-level course, and I distinctly remember the, uh, the professor was from Africa, and he liked to gin up the class, yep. and he made a comment in which half of the African-American students started attacking right. the African students, right. and the right. African students started attacking them as being privileged, and you don't understand how hard it is for us because we're coming from a poverty countries and we have to work twice as hard, and you expect, you the, the African-American people in the class expect everything to be handed to them, and you have no idea how privileged you are. That's and there was right. this incredible, and I was sitting there looking around going, I can't say anything, obviously. Right. This is, you know? right. but, but it was it was very, but I know why the professor did that, because he was trying to highlight the cultural differences between Americans of any race and foreigners who have to basically work That's extra right. hard to attain. That's and right. it's not just the Asian Americans, right. it's also Africans That's from right. Africa That's where they right. come here and they're like, you guys don't realize how great you have it. Stop complaining. No don't kidding. be Marxist. No kidding. We're banning Dr. Seuss in there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Brandon, let me take a quick break. Let's talk about sure. DeSantis and Trump when we come back. We, uh, Let's do that. We, we've got a lot of columns from you on this and a lot of discussion that needs to be had. Brandon Weikert and I will be right back. Brandon Weikert uh, has a heck of a great Twitter uh, feed at we the Brandon W E the Brandon. He is the author of Winning Space: How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked: China's Race to Control Life. A senior editor at uh, 19, um, 1945, he um, he has been writing a little bit here and there on uh, the Ron DeSantis uh, primary d uh, with Donald Trump. I have heard um, on talk radio, Brandon, uh, particularly on talk radio, a lot of complaints about Ron DeSantis uh, last week. One for bringing up the fact that the underlying issue at the Manhattan DA's office is a is a what he called a hush payment to a porn star or something like that. And then again, for criticizing Donald Trump on Piers Morgan's show, I have <clears throat> I have to tell you, all of this leaves me rather cold. I, I, I don't think we need lectures about personal assaults or personal even defamation, which would by definition be untrue. I think the, the things Ron DeSantis is saying are true, but they might be perceived as defamatory. I don't think we need lectures on that from the likes of Donald Trump and his supporters. They they kind of broke they kind of they kind of broke this basket a long time ago, didn't they? You know, I distinctly remember and I even at times in 2016 made the case that I'm really tired of the character argument being the, the, the main argument yeah. for why we should support people right. because I wanted a person to just win and yep. get things done. Yep. So we were we all there. Elected, yep. We were electing Trump knowing full well this man. And in Trump's defense, he never hit anything really who he was. We all knew that. Yep. So we elected a man that we knew was, 
lacking character. Aaron Coulter calls him a Bulgarian. Okay. Um, we we knew yep. we knew what we were getting. Yep. Um, but I am not going to sit there and be okay with Trump trying to spin DeSantis, you know, tweaking him a little bit over the fact that he's giving hush money payments, supposedly, allegedly, to pornographic actresses with whom he had affairs with at Lake Tahoe. Uh, I'm not going to have that thrown back in DeSantis's face. DeSantis is tweaking him. Oh, well, DeSantis is right to bring it up because we do have a problem here where Trump got him. Look at the problem that he's in. You know, Br'er Rabbit wouldn't be able to get out of this <laughs> And it was one of entirely Trump's own making. Nobody forced him to do what he did with Stormy Daniels or didn't do with Stormy Daniels. So, you know, calling it out, calling a spade a spade is total fair game, especially on the heels yeah. of Trump going going into the media and calling DeSantis a pedophile for taking a picture right. of a 22-year-old high right. school student That's with right. four graduating 18-year-old right. seniors right. at a beer party that he was supposedly at for less than an hour. Yeah, Call, so, giving know, him I mean, nicknames, the, Meatball, the Sanctimonious. Yeah. The yeah, pedophile the thing was pretty, yeah, pedophile. people should not forget the pedophile thing. Or the allegation that he might not be interested in women, which came which came from the Don, which came yeah. from Donald Trump yeah, as yeah. well. I, I, it just know, falls on cold ears that Ron DeSantis isn't allowed to say a few things here. My biggest complaint about DeSantis right now, as I've written, is that the guy needs to start punching back. Right. He cannot. He cannot keep doing this wallflower approach. He cannot keep fence sitting. He even if he hasn't announced yet. He needs to start slamming back. I'm not saying to go on the offensive. I'm saying to do exactly what Trump does. When Trump attacks, he counterpunches. Yeah. And Trump's got to have to grow a thick skin. You know, Trump is one of these guys that when you throw it back at him, he doesn't like it. Okay? Yep. So, and I grew up with guys like yep. that. As soon as you throw it back in their face, suddenly it's like, oh, oh, you know, oh, no, no. And then they start freaking out and they get really angry. So whether it's DeSantis or Trump as the nominee, and I fully agree, Trump's being wronged. This is an abusive prosecution. Of course. They're completely, of course, the so-called deep state is doing everything in its power to undermine and stop Trump. He's a threat to them. I think he's one of the greatest threats to them. That we're, We all in agreement on that. But do I think he is only the best candidate? No, I think there's other, another candidate who's rising, DeSantis. And I think that he should be allowed also to play in the sandbox and to see how far he gets, because I think it's good for the movement that we have two different spokespeople championing the same cause, but maybe with a little bit different approach. And I think that's totally fine, because the good, good news is Trump and DeSantis on the big issues are in agreement. They're definitely in agreement. And that's a win, because it means we're fighting back from these Democratic globalists who hijacked the party during the Iraq war, who hijacked the Reagan second, uh, second term. We're fighting it back, the Bush clan. And so that's all good. And so we should be taking this as a win. I'm with you on all of that. I just want to dispense with one other argument I've been hearing that I can't stand because I think we need to have our brains intact here as we get ready to, to go to go to battle for the election. And and that is the excuse um, of supporters of Donald Trump when he makes these comments about DeSantis or other candidates who might present a challenge to him. They will say, well, that's who he is. You know, that's who he is. I'm sorry. That is not that is not a justification. Uh, you, you would not make that justification about 
anyone else. Okay, if he's a bully, no. that is a deficit you have to work with. It is not an excuse or a defense or a rationalization for making claims about other candidates being pedophiles or, or you know, uh, sexually uh, interested in, in members of the same sex. It's, it's, it, it doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. It, you yeah. would not say yeah. that about a bank robber. You would not no. say about a tyrant. You would not no. say it about anyone. Well, that's just who they are. Sorry. Right. Character right. is about overcoming your right. baser desires. Right. And, and again, the failures of Trump, and it's time that we as a movement, and people want to throw at me, well, you're not never Trump. No, I am not. Right. I was an early, yes. early signatory to Trump's yep. movement. Yep. I, was, I was involved at the ground level. I, was, but I think I we did intellectuals for Trump together, didn't we, we way did. back yes, when? Yes, we yeah. did with yeah. Frank Buckley and right. the boys, yeah. Right. So, like, you know, and Chris Buster and them. So I don't want to hear anybody throwing it in my face. That, well, you, I actually sacrificed a very good career in Washington, D.C. to come out in public for Trump. And I shouldn't have because I was a young father at the time and I needed the money. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that, that I needed the career. But I sacrificed it because I believed in what Trump was saying and doing. But now it's time that we come to grips with the fact that the failures of Trump, and there were many, were, exa- were actually because of his character flaw. It was actually very Shakespearean. Uh, you know, his failures, yes, he had insurmountable odds with the deep state. Yes, he had the problems of him being the fact that he never came from politics, so he didn't understand the inner workings. He could have overcome those deficits by ameliorating the character problems within and also by hiring the right people. And he never hired the right people. Rarely he did. He hired the people who were sycophants. He hired the people who wanted to use him to get very popular radio programs. He hired the people who wanted to use him to get on these news stations to get famous and to get Twitter famous and to get book deals. He didn't hire people who were fully and totally committed to busting apart the so-called deep state. He hired prima donnas, C-listers, and he hired a lot of sycophants. And they didn't tell him, these are your weaknesses, Mr. President. You need to focus on them. You need to not let your character flaws dominate your president because it will be your undoing. Regardless of what the Democrats and the deep state do, your character flaws are the problem here. And you know what? What Ron DeSantis said in his statement about Stormy Daniels, when he said, I don't even know how one would go about, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I don't even know how one would go about paying off a porn star. You know what? Good for him, because clearly Ron DeSantis, is a man of character. And clearly the fact that he's a little hesitant to punch back indicates not weakness. It indicates he's a decent person. Now, personally, if it were me, I would be punching Trump so hard on these things. The minute that he came out and called me a pedophile, I would have immediately dropped the, the giphy of, of, uh, of Trump partying with Epstein in the 90s. And I would have then uh, dropped, if he hit me back again on that, I would have then dropped on social media the statement that Trump made defending Ghislaine Maxwell in 2019. I would have been there reminding Trump, you have a problem as well, my friend, a real problem with sexual assault. Do not even go there with me because I will rip you a new one. And you know what? That'll set the tone tone of the debate. Well, we may be heading there. We may be heading there. Yeah, we might be. The the irony is for people who say they support Trump and they do so because they like the policies, not the personality. Well, they've got the policies without the personality. But, you know, for those who like the personality more than the policies, they've got a big problem, I think, and they need to do some serious self-reflection. Brandon Weikert, you're the best. Until next week, brother. Thank you, sir. I'm Seth Liebson. I'll be right back. Thanks for starting your week with us, spending some of your afternoon with us. Uh, some tough stuff, yeah, uh, to, that we had to deal with today in a better 
in a better world uh, with better leadership, uh, and I don't just mean in Washington, I mean throughout the country, uh, we, we probably would have less of these problems. But you know what? Here's the deal. We have serious issues we've got to tackle. I opened the monologue with some serious issues on the cultural front. They have spilled over into the political sphere, and they are affecting everything from uh, schools uh, to grocery stores. They are affecting everything from uh, churches to uh, legislative halls and chambers. And the trajectory is not getting better. It is not getting better naturally. It is not going to get better on its own. It is still true. And I hate to see this quoted so often, but it is still true. And maybe we don't quote it often enough that the only way for evil to continue to triumph is for good men to continue to do nothing. Good men and women to continue to do nothing. Uh, take a look at what's going on around you. And if you're happy, then do nothing. Of course, if, if, if what you see is what you like, then indolence is the recipe for you. But if you don't like what you're seeing, and if the polling is right that 80% of this country thinks we're headed on the wrong track, and you're part of that 80%, well, take a look and understand what C.S. Lewis said the true progressive was. The first person who recognizes we're on the wrong path and does a U-turn. That's the real progressive. Be a real progressive and take people with you and be leadership not only in your own household, but in your own community. And in your own community, from there, your own state, and from your own state, there, your own country. It's, it's too many bad days now, folks. It's just too many, and they don't have to be that way. As Ronald Reagan would say, we're Americans after all, aren't we? You bet we are. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.